gave out uh, 3,000 donuts with uh, little flyers. Um, you, may, you may have picked up actually on the, on the telly at the moment, um, on the news at Bristol Crown Court at the moment. Sadly, there's a, a court case going on. The building at the end of this road, Portland Street, um, some guys were uh, trafficking women in from Brazil into the building down there against their will and forcing them to be prostitutes in a, in a pop-up brothel. So as we were giving out the donuts, we were giving out flyers. Um, it's been going on for about six years. Uh, groups from across the town come together from different churches, and we give it out to raise awareness in partnership with IJM, one of the organizations, and Hope for Justice. And we've had speakers from both of those organizations. And what was really interesting is the number of people who uh, initially either jokingly or seriously say, oh, come on, it doesn't happen in Cheltenham. And it does. It does. Um, these guys who were cycling, uh, in the time they were cycling, nearly 3,000 children would have been trafficked in slavery around the world. It's just shocking. And it does take place. So, so we're just saying, though, um, as, as Christians, and it's kind of really links with what I want to say tonight, uh, in the face of something like slavery or in the face of something like coronavirus, um, we, we are saying, you look like you have power, but you don't. You certainly don't have greater power than God. And so we don't believe it's a silly prayer or a silly aim to say, we're going to say that Cheltenham is not anywhere where slavery can take place and trafficking can take place. And so we're just saying, no. And we gave out 3,000 donuts and got lots of interesting comments about coronavirus in Irish accents, which I'm not going to do. A lot of people, uh, yeah, anyway. So we're in Lent. We're in Lent. Had you noticed that? Yeah? There'll be a slide that says Lent on it. Come on, Nick. Well done. Hand for Nick. And uh, this, this little video sums up what Lent is all about. So there you go. So Lent, obviously, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, you know Lent is that season when we remind ourselves that um, God says there are some amazing things he wants to give us, but basically we've got to wait and we've got to go through a lot of hardship and then when we get to heaven, he'll give us double. And essentially, being a Christian is kind of getting through the rubbish. I apologize for the swear word on, on there. But, you know, getting through the rubbish and uh, uh, waiting for your reward in heaven. And that is the message of Lent. So essentially, if you're not going through a really hard time, uh, then you're essentially not a Christian and tough. And that's the message for tonight. So shall we stand if we're able to? And we're just going to have a time of prayer just for all those who want to have... Anyone put their hand up if they've started eating their marshmallow already? Yeah. Figuratively, we'll pray for you especially. Um, anyone feel that they deserve three marshmallows because of how well they've been going on with God recently? Yeah. 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 We'll pray for you. Yeah. It can feel like that. You know, when I was, on a, um, when I was young... In a previous century, it was. <laughs> okay, two centuries. I, uh, I had a youth, went on a youth camp. It was called Cypher. It was down in Devon, and we used to go. And uh, Nikki and I and some other people were leaders on this Cypher camp. And I remember someone doing a talk. And um, they really had a right heart in this. But their talk basically ended with everyone 200 
young people aged sort of 14 to 18, whatever, walking around and looking and talking to each other and saying, I hope to see you at the end. 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 And you see, what they were trying to do was they were trying to say that there are serious consequences for the choices that we make. And I I absolutely believe that. I I do believe completely, 100%, that God honours who we are. And he, when he said, you can have free choice about how you live your life, he meant it. And I do believe that, that heaven is totally being with God, whatever that means. Everything that it means to totally be with God. And I do believe there's an opposite. I believe that there is a state of being where people choose to go, actually. They might not consciously do it. And that's to be without God. And that sounds like hell to me. But being a Christian is not about hanging on until we kind of get to the end, surviving to the end. Being a Christian is not facing the fear that there is in the world at the moment with coronavirus and all of this kind of stuff that we're surrounded by and kind of going, well, in our own strength, somehow we've got to keep strong enough and just keep going, you know, sing the song a bit louder or whatever it might be, the version of it nowadays, and just hope that we hang on to the end. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I've come so that you can have life. In all its fullness. And for me, becoming a Christian, it started when I was 13. It got serious when Nikki became a Christian and God gave me a kick in a soft part of the body and said, stop mucking around with me. For me, being a Christian was shifting from black and white telly to colour. And, and the rest of my life has been about HD and, and, and kind of growing and understanding and what, you know, the color of all things, the, the meaning of all things. And, and the, my number of questions has risen as I've been a Christian. I'm 56 years old now, so I've got lots of questions that I'm going to chat to God about when I see him face to face, except probably I won't be bothered when I'm there. My questions have grown, but so has my faith and my appreciation And my desire to live more fully. And so listen, Lent, this time that we're in, is not God saying, I just want to see how much you're willing to kind of discipline yourself. I'm I'm, I'm wanting to know if you are as mad as victory for cycling cycling 24 hours and not getting anywhere victory. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. No, it was good. That's not who God is. And if you're here tonight and you don't know God personally, you don't know, you know about him, you know about this guy, Jesus, but you don't feel that you know him personally. Can I just tell you, the deal is Jesus wants to come into your life, be part of your life in such a real, active kind of way. Not that is like bad headmaster in the sky sort of stuff or 
that's not what Lent is about. We're following a book by um, a woman called Paula, Paula Gooder. There's a picture coming up. And she talks about the reality of how we engage with God. And yeah, Lent is a time when we connect with a whole theme in the Bible around, around the wilderness. Here's, here's a picture of the wilderness that the Bible is, is kind of thinking. And the wilderness critically is a place of encounter. It's a place where you meet with God. It it does often involve feeling that God is absent. God has deserted you. God has left you. But actually, in that place, in that time... When everything else is kind of stripped away, throughout the Bible, people encounter God. Sometimes they're sent into the wilderness. We'll put it back up, Nick, thanks. Sometimes they, get, they, they have to go to the wilderness because it is a kind of discipline for them. Other times they get taken to the wilderness because they need to be somewhere safe. And thirdly, there are times in the Bible where people choose to go into the wilderness I don't know if you've seen this picture. I showed it in the morning a couple of weeks ago. Um, Peter Scazzaro, who's a, a writer about all kinds of things to do with faith, and he's written this book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And what he says is you can know a lot about God, but actually it won't make a difference to your life. It Just knowing about God is not the same as really having a health, an emotional health, where you've journeyed with God, you've connected with God. And he says there are these different stages of faith. I wonder where you would put yourself. I wonder if you have a look at this, where you'd put yourself. Right at the top is stage one. There's a life-changing awareness of God. That's the bit about not just knowing about God, but, but really connecting with God in your heart. Maybe you're here tonight and you want to say, Andrew or whoever you are, this new guy at the front, I'd love that. I'd love to have a life-changing awareness of God. Are you here tonight and your only awareness of God is that he makes you feel slightly guilty about your life? If that is you, that's not who God is. God is life-changing. Are you here tonight and living surrounded by fear? Are you here tonight and thinking, this coronavirus thing has got the last word on all kinds of stuff? Or anything else? Then God wants to meet with you tonight. He really does. Life-changing awareness of God. Has your life been changed yet? Do you want it to be changed? Second stage, a lot of us in the room will be in this stage. Peter Scazzaro puts it this way, talks about it as being discipleship, about you learn. So you've met with God, you've had some kind of encounter, maybe in church or somewhere else, soul survivor or wherever it might be. And then you're into this kind of discipling, learning, you're learning more about God. You're growing as as a follower of Jesus. If you're not growing, you're dead, by the way. And then that moves into stage three. You can see it there, which is, is this you? Is you're active and you're serving. You're getting, you're getting stuck in with stuff with God and for God. But the problem is a lot of people get stuck there and they just end up getting a bit upset with God because you begin to say, God, I'm doing all this stuff for you. Where's the, where's the payback? 
But what Peter Scazzaro says is that all of us have to at some point face the wall, as he puts it. What, it's, it's a time in our life where maybe there's one big crisis or there's a whole series of things go together or there's, there's just something that sort of kind of takes us into the wilderness. A, a relationship breaks down. We, uh, you know, someone dies and we feel let down by God. Something happens like coronavirus and we think, you know, is this real? If, if you're real, God, wouldn't our prayers have worked by now? There's this kind of wall that happens and, and by the way, he says, and I really think it's true, whether you like the language of the wall or anything, that these wilderness times or these challenges, these moments where we say to God, what on earth is going on? Are you real? What, how, could you, how could you let this happen to me or to those women down the road or whatever you want to say? It's this wall. And if you haven't faced it yet, you will. The, the Bible promises us that you know, a bit like in a wedding when you say for better, for worse. You don't say if it's better, if it's worse. You say when it's better and when it's worse. You say for richer, for poorer. That kind of relationship means that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you will go through wilderness times. You'll go through tough times. You'll face the wall. And the wall, the crisis, or the wilderness, or the, the tough times, are not God sort of testing you in a wrong kind of way. They're not God playing with you. They're the reality of living in a broken world that Paul writes in the Bible. It says it's out of joint, out of balance. That's why coronavirus is happening. It's a distortion of proper processes. And then after that wall comes the inner journey. You go into yourself for a while saying, what's going on? And it's in that wilderness place, that's the stage where the wilderness happens, where people encounter God. And Lent, this season in the run-up to Easter, is reminding us about the importance of what's going on inside us in order to overflow as you can see, stage five into the outward journey, what flows out. And then stage six, this guy talks about a stage of being really transformed. The way that you think, the way that your heart is transformed. I wonder where you are in that. Whatever it looks like, in the Bible, in the wilderness, whether people have been sent there by God because they did need to learn some lessons or uh, they've, they've gone there for their safety, they've gone to escape from people who were after them, situations that were after them, or they've actually chosen to go to the wilderness. Jesus constantly chose to go into the wilderness, to be away from people, to have solitude, to be able to focus, to hear God more clearly. This guy, Scott Hubbard, or a guy called Scott Hubbard, has said there's two key truths. I shared these again couple of weeks ago in the morning. The wilderness, so whether we're talking physically, spiritually, or emotionally, whatever it looks like to say you go somewhere where everything else is kind of stripped away a bit and you can hear God more clearly, does two things. It exposes what's inside us 
like little else does. What do I really believe? And secondly, the wilderness, tough times or chosen times set apart with God can cultivate in us that quality so beneficial to living faith, desperation. Guys, can I just say, if you're here tonight and you're feeling desperate for God, you might have let other people know that, you might not have let people know that, but you really do have, in truth, a bit of a desperation inside you to meet with God. Can I tell you, that is the the fire in which faith is refined and grows. It really is. And that is not me saying, look for a silver lining. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying there's a picture in the Bible where so often people find God and depth with God in a way that they didn't before. Look, tonight I just want to just focus very briefly on what it means to face up to tests in in our life and what it means to live in faith, not fear, and coronavirus or whatever it might be for, for you. The wilderness, by definition, says Paul Laguda, is a testing time. It's a place where our faith gets tested. We live in a society, you guys live and I live in a society that was all about kind of avoiding pain and avoiding difficulty. But the reality is that we will all face times of difficulty. We'll all face tests. Here's when Jesus, at the beginning of his time, just before he was about to be involved in ministry. This is when he got tempted, scripture says, but the the word is the same as for tested. Let's just read it through together. Matthew 4 verses 1 to 10. Let's read it all together, shall we? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Do you notice how it goes from tempter to devil to Satan? Some of you might have reacted to the idea that I believe that hell and heaven are real places. Well, you also might react to the idea that I believe that The devil is real. I don't believe that evil is just a kind of indiscriminate, wussy kind of force. There's a definite progression in just those verses of the tempter broad to devil more specific. Satan, he has a name. And Jesus is really tempted because 
It has to be possible that Jesus would have given in to these temptations for them to be real, for it to have integrity. So these are these tests, three tests. And I've asked Postman Pat to sum up what's going on. It's okay. I have watched the end of the cartoon. It's fine. Postman Pat survives. Just, just for you. Spoiler alert. Essentially, Jesus faces the same tests that we do. And, and you can sum them up by saying the devil whispers into his ear and whispers into our ear, take a shortcut. Take a shortcut. You don't have to walk exactly the roads that God is laying out before you. That, that first test that the devil sets him about turning stones into bread. Jesus had been hungry. He'd been, he, he would, 40 days, he hadn't had any food. It was a real test. And there's an illusion of a shortcut where the devil is saying, turn the stones into bread, feed yourself, have what the world can offer you, and it will be fine. It's attractive. And when there's bread on the shelves or nappies, when there's toilet roll that you can go wild with, it feels attractive to believe that everything we need is in our own hands. It doesn't take much, though, does it, to tell us that that's not true. We talk a lot about money in this church, not because God is short of a few bob, and we're not even short of a few bob. But we talk about money because money has power. It's not a neutral commodity, said God, said Jesus. And if we don't take control of money, it will take control of us. The practical question that the devil was saying to was asking Jesus, and we get asked all of the time, and Lent is a time to think about how we are really answering it is where are you putting your trust? Are you trusting in God? Or are you trusting in stuff? The world. And Jesus answers as we can with the word of God, with the truth of God. He answers with scripture. We have the Bible and we have the Holy Spirit at work in us, just as Jesus did. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He was filled by the Holy Spirit and so are we. That we don't live by bread alone. We don't live by stuff. It's God's way. And everything else and anything else is a shortcut 
and you don't need a cat meowing in your ear to tell you that that is dangerous. See, God doesn't tell us these things because he's just trying to make life hard and play games with us. He tells us because he wants us to know the truth because the truth sets us free. I have wondered how many toilet rolls are in the house. I bet we all have a little bit. God wants us to live free of fear. The second test that Jesus faced and we all face is around the illusion of self and our own power. Again, the devil says, if you're the son of God, he knows he is full well. He says, okay, well, what goes with the territory of being the son of God is that, you know, he takes him up to the top of the temple and, and, and stands him above and basically says, if you throw yourself off this temple then isn't God going to save you? And really what's going on there is the devil is saying to Jesus, you be the center of the universe. Let it be all about you. Make God do what you want God to do for you. And we live in a world that is telling us trust in stuff. And secondly, we live in a world which is saying it's all about you. You are the center of the universe. It's all about your self-determination. It's all about you being self-reliant. It's all about you. And bring that to God as well. Come forward for ministry. Come forward for prayer. And tell God what he should do for you. It's really tempting. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be a temptation. But it's a shortcut. God is God. So when I get to all those difficult bits in the Bible that I don't understand and I can't make sense of what's going on, what do I do? Do I say, well, because I can't make sense of it, God, I think you've got something wrong, mate. Do you know what? I think you should have written... Or do I say, hang on, maybe I don't know. Maybe you're God. And I should live with not knowing the answer. When it comes to coronavirus, should I spend my time praying to give God lots of suggestions about what he could do? And God will go, oh, thank you so much. Forgotten that one. Or do I need to live in faith that God is God? There's a myth to be exploded. There's a shortcut that is tempting us to say we're the center of the universe and we make God as we'd like God. We don't like the Bible the way that things it says. It's culturally bound. Let's rewrite it. Let's ignore some bits. It'll make life much easier. I'm going to put myself at the center of this, God. The kind of God I would like is like this. Would you like to come in and serve me? I'm painting broadly. 
But do you get the point? And then the third one, the final one to finish quickly and easily, is obviously, isn't it, about false gods, fake gods, the illusion of anything else that would put itself before me, before you, and the real God that there is. Do you notice the devil stops saying, if you're the son of God? Because with this one, if Jesus says yes to it, he clearly isn't the son of God. Because the devil says, worship me. So he doesn't even bother with the if you're the son of God bit. He says, will you worship me? Will you give up your identity and serve me? And the devil does have power. We need to recognize that that's in the reading. The devil does have power here on earth, but it is a limited power. It's a short-term power. It does not match up to God's true sovereignty. There's not a little devil sitting on one shoulder, God sitting on the other shoulder, having a battle for who you are. The devil doesn't know what you think. The devil is not everywhere. Only God is all-powerful. And that's why we're praying about things like coronavirus. But there's a question about who do we worship? These are the tests that Jesus faced. They're the same tests that we face. Maybe we've been taken to a wilderness place. Maybe We've had to be in a bit of a wilderness place. Or maybe in this Lent time, we're kind of choosing or we need to choose to set apart, to go, go somewhere where the noise stops. There was a, a blog, you may have read it, seen it's on Facebook doing the, doing the rounds, from a Christian woman in Wuhan, the center of the coronavirus outbreak. And she's been blogging about the tough stuff. And her husband said to her, what about the good stuff? And there's an amazing blog that's online now where she says they're giving thanks for the last seven weeks of being in isolation because their family life has never been better. Naomi, when I read it to her this afternoon, said, you are joking, that will never work for us. But it has for them. Because they've actually spent time with each other, time talking. She said they've heard the birds singing for the first time in, in Wuhan. They didn't think that there were birds in the city because of there was so much traffic. But in this kind of wilderness, this isolation, this space to think and to breathe, they said that they've never prayed harder than they're praying now. They've never had community like they've had community now. People swapping coffee and swapping food and spending time and looking out for each other. In the middle of this isolation, in the middle of this rubbish, God at work. The power of God is greater. Guys, do you need to just take some time out to say, God, how have I been facing these tests? Am I trusting in worldly stuff or am I trusting in you? Have I, have I somehow made myself the center of it all and I'm looking for you to serve me rather than me to serve you? 
And is there anything in my life or anyone in my life or any idea or dream or way of being that has become really my God? And it's getting in the way of you, God. Last slide. The good news is Jesus was able to tell the devil to go away. And the testing and the wilderness time led into the most fruitful ministry the world has ever seen. Jesus was never alone. The Holy Spirit was with him, even in the middle of the testing, even in the middle of the wilderness, as he is with us. And if we face the tests, if we face this coronavirus with faith and not fear, if we say, yeah, okay, we'll buy two packets of pasta, but we'll buy one for ourselves and we'll give the other one to someone who hasn't got any. If we will speak hope to people who are frightened of dying, if we will say that we believe that God's power is greater than any power here on earth, God will meet with us and we will live life to the full. I cannot tell you it will be easy. It almost certainly will be hard. But the road is worth it. The shortcuts lead nowhere. If you're comfortable to do so, do you want to stand? So let's just, uh, let's just see what God wants to do. Um, if you're visiting us, we just finish our times together by inviting God, the Holy Spirit, with us just to come and speak to us and do whatever he wants to do, to say whatever he wants to say. And in just a moment or two, I'm going to invite one or two people who might want to just come and, or different groups of people who might want to just come. I received some prayer. We'll do the prayer wisely, of course. Uh, you won't get anything but God if someone puts a hand onto your back. But don't pray for anyone, you know, if you shouldn't be. Don't breathe all over them. It's good advice anyway. <laughs> Please don't cough or sneeze over them. The paperwork's horrendous. Let's see what God wants to do, shall we? So why don't you just still yourself and why don't you just say, here I am, God. What, about, what out of all of that, if you don't already know, if God's not already been just prompting stuff in your heart, God, what, what is for me? Is, is it something about, you know, the facing fear? Is it something about worldly stuff and putting my trust in the wrong places, the wrong things? 
God, have, have I in any way tried to shape you to what I want rather than letting you shape me because you are God? And God, is there anything that's become an idol for me? Is there anything that I'm putting in your place? Holy Spirit, God with us now, would you just come and would you, would you just touch hearts, touch, just put into our minds, God, wherever you want to. probably find it helpful to close your eyes some people might even find it helpful just to just to put a hand out just let god be god and let other people do their business with god